you got to do a little bit more homework, not just, Hey, I threw the address in the rentalizer and I'm going to buy this deal. It's like, that's a good starting point, but don't make all of your investing decisions just off that. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What is going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren. Here, as always, with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What is up, E? My brother, good to see you, man. I'm excited. I get to go home next week. It has been an amazing month and a half. But as I was joking, uh, earlier on the show, I don't know if you guys remember when Will Smith did the movie, um, I am legend. He's recent interview a couple months later. He was super fit for that movie. And he goes like, when I finished filming that movie, I was legend and now I'm more like luggage. And that's kind of like how I, how I feel right now. It's been a month of just drinking and eating cheese, which I mean, it's one of my favorite things in the world to do, but my body started to be like, okay, like what are we doing? Right. I was like, cause so much of my identity has been working out six days a week, double workouts and everything else. And what's funny with that is like, you can feel it. Like, you know, your body's like, this is not us. Like, this is not normal. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to that. Been super grateful though. Just going around. We are in, in Portugal now in a part of Portugal where Tasha used to come to vacation when she was a kid. So getting to see like, oh, this is the marina. We used to walk around as kids. This is what we used to get ice cream, right? So it's something that after being together for 11, 12 years, I had never got to see. And so it was, was, was kind of nice, right, to get to see where somebody grew up and understanding, seeing some of, the, some of the stories, or even seeing some of the places from the stories that you hear. You're like, oh, you remember me telling you about this? It's here. You know what I mean? So it's been, has been nice. What about you guys? Like, you're a couple of days away from launching. Yeah, man, we're we're excited. So by the time this podcast airs, we'll be like, I don't know, five days out from opening the hotel doors. So we're going to do a test run this weekend, just inviting a bunch of family and friends to stay, basically test out every room, take showers, flush the toilets, sleep in the beds, <laughs> like do at, like test the TVs, like everything just to make sure it's smooth because we're going right into the highest peak season of any market that I am in. And that is Halloween season in Salem, Massachusetts. So it's going to be rocking and rolling very quickly. So we just want to get everything ironed out before those doors officially open. But uh, it's looking like October 14th is the official open date. And um, I'm excited, man. It's been, it's been a long time coming. The last two months have been absolutely bananas to get this thing over the line. But uh, it looks amazing. Like mm. legitimate. Yeah, I'm proud of you guys. We, so it's called the Cove at Salem. If you guys haven't checked it out, you can go to coveatsalem.com. And that's at like spelled out AT and same thing on Instagram, all that stuff. But we've got uh, 10 themed rooms that we did out of the 30 rooms that will be done for opening. And they look awesome. Like you've been in the house in Orlando. It's like that level. Like we went over the top. I flew my crew up, my entire crew from Orlando that does all of our crazy theme stuff. And uh, they went to town on this place and it looks amazing. So we're super proud and excited to, to launch this one. 
Yeah, man, I'm excited. Very proud of you guys. Very proud of the work. And I'm also like super proud of just like you, your journey. And I'm sure like it must be a crazy feeling calling up friends and family and be like, yo, come, I need to test out hotel rooms um, or my hotel in Salem, which is something that's like, it's close to you. It's close to like your heart. And I'm like, oh man, just excited, excited, very happy for you. Very happy for the team, you know, and just seeing it all come all come together after all this time, you know? Yeah. It's, it's and good. it's funny while we were, while we were recording this episode, one of my partners texted me, he's like, Hey, I've got another one. Let's go look at it Tuesday. So no, no rest for the weary. Yeah, no, I mean, this is done now. At least in his mind is like, well, let's, let's go. And that's why you need partners, right? Like it, they, they keep, they keep you going. You know what I mean? They keep kind of yanking you up when you're like, okay, can I sit down for a second? They're like, like a second. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll get You're a good? dinner and let's then get. let's get out. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'll be up there for our uh, boardroom event in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited to see it and just overall just get to hang out with you and just see see the space after I've seen it for so long and just pictures and drawings and shit. So it's gonna be it's gonna be good. But I'm also super excited for the show because we, as you guys heard last time with Luke, we kind of changed the format a little bit. So now we go right into the show and then we do this little banter moment afterwards. And uh, I personally love it because I get to actually have an opinion on the show and it's great. And it's such an like, interesting show and it's very data heavy in terms of like what we talk about, but it's so important, so valuable. And Jamie was just super spot on. You can tell he's a master of what he does. And I always appreciate that. I appreciate people that know their shit and they can speak it in a way that is simple and easy to understand. Because to me, that it's really what the where the mastery comes in. Yes. When you can explain something that is complicated easily, you have put in your ten thousand hour into something, versus when you have the need to like over over fluff things. I'm like, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so in the show, I mean, he we basically went high level. So we had Jamie Lane on the show. We'll introduce him here in a second. But he is the chief economist and senior vice president of analytics at AirDNA and, you know, basically broke down what the, what's the state of the industry? You know, how are we comparing right now in Q, Q3 that just finished up? What do we project for Q4 um, for 2024? How does that compare to the last few years? You know, are we in a boom? Are we in a bus? Like, what does that look like? And then also quite a bit about their huge new release that just came out, massive update, tons of new features. And got a special announcement in there for you guys that uh, we got something special with Jamie coming up in a couple of weeks. So let's get into the show. Hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. So very excited for today's show. We have Mr. Jamie Lane with us, who is the chief economist and SVP of analytics at AirDNA. He is the data dog, the, the god of data over there. And uh, we're going to talk all good things about what's been going on in the industry. What are some of the trends? And then... Uh, Talk about the huge new rollout that AirDNA just had. So, Jamie, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. So, <laughs> That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about what your, what your role is at AirDNA, and then like, how did you get into all this? Yeah, so how I think of my role is to actually be looking at our data every month, every week, and try to interpreting what's going on in the industry where we think the industry is going, and then disseminate that out to our customers, subscribers, 
just out to the industry in general to give people a sense of sort of where we're at in the cycle, what people should be looking to do. Is it a good time to buy, to sell, uh, to be a host? What type of markets are growing? What type of markets are declining? Just have a pulse of what's actually happening in the industry today. And I got into it. Uh, I spent 10 years as an economist in the hotel industry. And as part of that was actually the first AirDNA subscriber. Uh, so back in 2015, uh, called Scott Shafford, who had started the company. I was like, Scott, give me all your data. Uh, I need to understand how short-term rentals are impacting hotels. And that was sort of my first foray, foray into it was uh, understanding the impact that this growing sector was having on sort of the traditional hotel sector and helping hotel operators, owners uh, sort of see how demand for lodging was changing and how they could try to capture it. And as part of that, got deep into what was ha happening in the short-term rental sector. And that sort of led me to AirDNA. It's quite a ride. So what yeah, were you... quite cool. <laughs> so you came from a dark side, kind of. <laughs> Like you it, it, came from the empire side to the to the revolution side, you know, to the rebellion. Yeah, it, it's funny that when I left the hotel industry to join the short-term rental industry, everyone said I, I went to the dark side. So it depends oh, on <laughs> depends on which way you look at it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. So you started doing that, and so then how did you did you land the job at AirDNA because you just told them, look, guys. It's all this data you sent me is it's not quite where it needs to be or or where how did you get into the actual industry and then i also always love to ask if you have any vacation rentals yourself now yeah so uh back in 2012 i i started hosting on airbnb now me and my parents have five rentals um in maine where my family started vacation and now my parents have retired too uh, so they they actually are hosting all those rentals themselves. Uh, they're, they make bake uh, blueberry muffins for all their guests, help them re revenue manage the property. So uh, it's a, a fun family affair now. But it's funny, pre-AirDNA, uh, I was paying anyone I could find to actually scrape the sites and put together data sets for me. <laughs> so when I found AirDNA, I was like, finally, someone that's actually tracking the industry in the way that I want, like not finding someone to scrape it once a month or once a year, like actually going through and looking at how many listings there are every single day, modeling out demand, and sort of building that time series. And that now is so valuable, being able to go back and see how the industry has evolved, how, what were the occupancies being earned back in 2015, 2016, when the industry was just sort of evolving, starting to professionalize. And now, what I see is being able to structure the data in a way that makes it more usable, more discoverable to investors today. And, and the data sets really evolved immensely and the insights we can pull out of it uh, as well. I was going to say, like at a certain point, you know, I'm a, I'm a data guy myself, right? And it, it's like, I want all the data, but then at a certain point, it, it almost becomes like unmanageable because there's like too much information. So how do you whittle that down? And I'd imagine that's a lot of your focus on like, we have this immense amount of data. How do we actually make this usable for the everyday investor to help them make investing decisions? Yeah, and that's absolutely what we came in and tried to do. Like, and there's been changes over the past three years since I joined of that starting to sprinkle in. Like, and one is like real estate types. 
Like, I just want to tell, like, what's the difference in listing counts and performance of single family homes versus apartments and condos? Like, can't we differentiate the data there? And then, like, there's a big difference in markets between luxury properties and budget properties. So let's create a standardized definition. So what is a luxury property? So you can get in and see, okay, top 20% of properties in a market by ADR controlling for room count, like just a pretty simple definition, but just a way to differentiate the cream of the crop and the, and the bottom and sort of the mid, and then be able to filter the data that way. So we can see now, like as occupancies decline, like, is it hurting budget properties? Is it hurting mid-scale properties? Is it hurting the luxury properties? And then among different location types, like some of the areas that are getting hurt hardest by the occupancy declines now are sort of luxury properties in mountain and coastal areas. And it would just would have been impossible for us to sort of discern that before we started going in and sort of structuring the data, make it easy. So for a user, it's like two clicks. Like I want to look at mountain areas, luxury properties, but before you just never would have been able to sort of garner those insights. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's a perfect segue for what I wanted to talk about today. You know, the first piece of where are we at in the industry? You know, talk, let's talk about like Q3 because you see like both sides of it. Like you see certain Facebook groups, everybody's screaming like, oh my God, like Airbnb bust, all this stuff, like the sky is falling, whatever. And then you hear other people like, no, we're doing good. Like, yeah, we're on pace. Actually, our revenue did better in August and September. So what are you seeing? Because you you kind of have the, the hidden keys behind all the doors. So yeah, it's really a, a mixed bag and really depends on the market that you're in. So, and even within a market, and you can see people that are still doing well versus not well. So just backing up of sort of where we're at in the cycle. So we saw and what is typically a, a 10 year sort of business cycle and all rolled up into like a three year period. So <laughs> we've sort of seen a, a bust boom sort of normalization cycle. In, in a very compressed period, which has really run the sort of media narrative. So we did see a, a massive decline in the supply of short-term rentals in 2020. Supply dropped 25%. Demand came back really strongly while supply wasn't back, which pushed the occupancies to record levels in 2021. That was sort of the boom times that everyone saw. And now we've been going through a slow normalization of performance, occupancies coming down, still well above the pre-pandemic highs, but like the 2021 highs were never going to last. Like <laughs> it was abnormal. So now and in Q3 and really throughout 2023, we've seen about nationally about a 3% decline in overall occupancy. So I want to highlight that real quick. So all those posts that were on social media about like, oh, occupancy is down 80%. And again, it is market dependent. But overall, is this global or just U.S. that we're yeah, talking about? Just U.S. Yep. So U.S. is down 3% year over year. Yep. And so on average in the U.S. for the past 12 months, occupancy is about 58%. We reached a high in 2021 of 63%. And then sort of the baseline of 2018, 2019, which if you go back through time, was actually one of the best years of industry performance. And there we're running 55%. So we're still and 300 basis points higher than 2019, but down off of the highs of 2021. Mm -hmm. Also to me, what's fun to, to hear 
and to listen is the humbling reality of what that number is, right? Because as operators, we are like, we need to be at 70%, 65%, 80% occupancy. And the reality is like, that is hard. Like, especially as the industry grows more and more, just like, you know, from hotels, no, no hotel is like, we're going to be 80% occupancy. <laughs> we'll be like, dear, <laughs> you guys are crazy. Like, this is not such a thing. So I'm curious to know, so as people now, if people go on the site and use your data, for example, we have a lot of people that are hosting, co-hosting for other people. What would you tell them to say to people as you're looking at this data and you're going to present to an owner, what would my property do in the next 12 to 18 months? How would you best use your data to present that? And what are some of the little like uh, disclaimers that they should say? For example, we said just now, right? Like overall, we're down 3% all around the US, right? Yeah. One is using our rentalizer tool and to sort of get the sort of high level and occupancy ADR revenue that a property is going to earn. Like that is a great starting point. It's going to go and find comps and properties nearby, similar bedroom, bathroom, a number of guests that it accommodates and sort of bring you back that sort of first cut. Then it's up to you to one, dis and dissect and find, make sure all those comps are actually relevant to the property that you're investing in or that you're going to be co-hosting. And then two is to look at the historical data. Is it one of the massive benefits of using AirDNA is that you've, you've got the five years of data, five years of history that you can go in and see, okay, like where's my occupancy at now? Where was it in 2021? Where was it in 2019? And get a sense of, okay, has the normalization happened or do we have further to go? Because if I'm still running and 10% above 2019 levels, that makes me feel entirely different of forecasting the next 18 months than if I'm at 2019 levels and sort of pretty steady. Because that would make me feel really comfortable saying like, We've already come off the highs of 2021. We're sort of in a normalized operating environment. Like I feel really comfortable that we're going to be able to maintain these occupancy levels versus some markets that are still seeing supply return, uh, still seeing occupancies come down where I'd tell the owners like, you know what? Like we've still got some normalization to happen. I'd expect probably over the next 12 to 18 months, market occupancies are coming down, which means we're probably not going to we're probably going to see some further weakness from what these numbers are projecting. And that's just like, I think basic, like we've got to be realistic of where the industry's been and where it's going. The irony of what you just said is what I've been literally saying for the last three years. So when I'm telling people to analyze deals, I actually made a video on this. I'm going to have to redo it because of the new interface that we'll talk about later, but I'm like, okay, the rentalizer is great, but honestly, I don't go off of that. I'll look at it and then I do exactly what you said. And I literally download month over month for 2019, 2021, and the last 12 months. And then I compare and I'll analyze the deal at 2019 levels. And if it still makes sense, then I'll do the deal. Cause I'll, I know that that's like a safe baseline. Cause the numbers that you're talking about, like when I look at my portfolio going back to 2019 for a lot of those properties that we still have, we're still outperforming those 2019 numbers. And they were good in 2019. Right. They're not as great as they were in 2021, 2022, but they're still solid and above that baseline. And so when I tell people to be conservative with your underwriting, that's what I'm getting at is don't base it off just the last 12 months, the last 24 months. Go back and look at that 2019 baseline 
and then look at the supply and the demand that you can pull from AirDNA and say, okay, where is this trend going? Has demand increased? Because a lot of areas, they did get very popular during COVID. Like the Smokies blew up and the Blue Ridge area and the Poconos and different areas that like were drivable destinations, that demand went way up. So what does the supply look like now? And just, you got to do a little bit more homework, not just, hey, I threw the address in the rentalizer and I'm going to buy this deal. It's like, that's a good starting point, but don't make all of your investing decisions just off that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what we try to talk about. And that's some of the sort of changes that we've made in the platform to try to make that way more visible, way more apparent of being able to track an occupancy's ADRs, rev pars on a year-over-year basis, see how they're sort of evolving, see how they are evolving by month. There's a lot of times, and you're going to be sold out during the summer. Like it, the changes in sort of operating performance have happened during the shoulder and off season. So like Joshua Tree, when it's doing so well, it's because people continued to go to Joshua Tree during the summer. And I've been to Joshua Tree during the summer. It's not, it's not the most pleasant place to be. Uh, unless maybe you have a pool and it's especially this past summer, it's 120 degrees, like it's hot. So typical seasonality, you see demand sort of fall off a cliff in, as you get into the summer months. And that happened this summer like normal. Uh, and that just hadn't been happening in 2021, 2022. So when I underwrite new investments, I'm doing it by month, getting a sense of what my expected occupancies are, what my ADRs are by month. So Peak season, AUK and ADR from last year may be relevant to underwrite during those peak months still, but we've got to make sure we're adjusting for normalization seasonality across different markets and it really is going to vary by market. I don't know if you have this readily available, so I'm putting you on the spot, but I know you're saying basically the mountain and coastal, like higher end luxury properties have taken the biggest hit. Are there certain areas that you've seen have continued to rise? Yeah. And one is um, the major cities. Uh, so they are still in recovery mode. Uh, so demand across sort of the 50 largest metros uh, is still below 2019 levels of overall demand. And as an industry, and there is 20% more demand happening in short-term rentals today than pre-COVID. And it's conti- we've continued to hit record highs every single year. That said, certain areas like and some of these big cities that had depended on international travel, that is not back yet. A big piece of that is sort of the strength of the dollar. Uh, another piece is that supply still isn't back, sort of the rental arbitrage play that a lot of people were using sort of pre-pandemic. The num- numbers just don't pencil out as as good as they were in 2018, 2019. So you haven't seen as much investment come back. Occupancies are still lower than they were in 2019. They never did actually recover. Uh, so, like, that's a question I get all the time since we're seeing most markets seeing declining in revenue per available uh, rental. So, RevPAR metric. Uh, so, which ones are increasing? Like, Washington, D.C., Boston, uh, Chicago. Uh, there are sort of major metros out there that are still seeing increasing RevPARs, and we're there actually underwriting growth going forward. And for those cities, are the are the units there people looking for? Is there more of a sweet spot in that like one to three bedroom range? Do larger size properties do as well? Yep. You know the, the larger properties do is are doing really well. The 
shift that's happened in a lot of these markets is way more demand for midterm rentals too. Uh, so uh, stays longer than a week, um, up to maybe six months, because business demand still isn't back. And you see that in the hotel numbers uh, that business travelers aren't sort of doing the one, two-day trips that they're doing in the past. They're going to come. They're going to come for a week. People and doctors, nurses, students, uh, sort of all the sort of demand drivers toward, that are moving towards cities are all there and all using short-term rentals for a week or longer stays. And that's typically putting them in larger units because they, they either with a group, with a family, and and across all location types, whether it's cities, um, destinations, and a theme that's played out and continues to play out is the larger the home, uh, the uh, better the performance. And that's what we see in terms of indexing versus 2019 is we're still seeing better performance um, in the larger properties. Interesting. Interesting. So on the, on the note of midterm rentals, this has been a really hot topic the last 12 to 18 months. Are there certain things people should look for, like in air DNA? Because people ask me all the time, like, how should I analyze, you know, a midterm rental? And I'm like, well, I don't really do a lot of those. And we've got other people in the group that do, so I pass them over. But are there any things that they can do within air DNA to gauge, like, will this perform well as a midterm rental in this market? Yeah, there aren't sort of great tools yet. We're we're looking at building things specifically for midterm rentals. I'll say there there is common themes though. Um, and it really centers around the type of demand. So most midterm rental demand is in sort of large to mid-sized cities. You're not going to find a lot of midterm rental demand at the beach, in the mountains. Uh, so it's looking around people and needing essentially temporary housing and temporary housing of where you're going to be living and working, which centers around sort of large metro areas. Uh, so when you think of sort of the digital nomad traveler, they just can't afford to go to the beach and work from there, but they can't afford to go to a different city, given how people sort of price those rates. So it's looking for population centers and then looking within those cities of what are going to be the demand drivers. So it's universities, it's hospitals, uh, it's suburban areas of the cities. And you can go into, into the platform and see sort of the demand occupancy levels in certain subsets and different neighborhoods within those. And that's where you can get a good sense of, okay, I might not understand why someone's going there, but I can see in that submarket that it's actually running really high occupancies. And I can see for the type of like three, four, five um, plus bedroom properties, and then what price tier sort of hone in on what are the type of units that are getting booked and sort of form an investment strategy there. Mm. That's interesting that you mentioned like three, four, five bedroom houses. Cause I always think for midterm rentals, you know, like, Two bedroom might be a sweet spot, but you're you're saying that you've seen it even for some of the larger properties. Yeah, especially in the suburban markets where it can be it sort of played out and in the past two years we saw this great migration of people that wanted to move and they couldn't find permanent housing given that housing um, availability was so low. And people were fighting to buy homes in these cities. And so they so they still needed to move, but where were they going to live? They didn't want to sign a one-year lease, given that they were trying to buy. They wanted to be in the neighborhood they're trying to buy in. So they're using short-term rentals. They were there with their families. They sort of needed the larger homes. And then sort of renovation, to place, displacement, all these other reasons why you might need a short-term rental. 
So that's why I'd say it can vary dramatically. Like if you're next to a hospital and you're getting nurses, absolutely one, two bedroom con- condos. But if you're going out, it depends on the type of demand or you're sort of going after. And that's why you've got to look across the spectrum and see what type of units are actually being occupied. Mm. So if we look ahead now, what are you seeing, I guess, for Q4 and then kind of beyond that? Yeah. One, and I, for all the existing operators out there, this is sort of good news that supply growth is slowing. <laughs> so we had seen 25% supply growth last year and even more than that in certain markets, like some of these big popular markets, we're seeing 40, 50% supply growth. Like Dallas last year, 40% supply growth as massive growth for, for that market. Across every location type, every market, we're seeing a slowdown in investment which for existing operators, that's a great thing, right? You're seeing less new competition come in. Uh, we're still seeing supply growth, but just not, not, as, not as strong. Uh, subsequently, we're still seeing growing demand. So across the US, demand is up about 10%. In Q3, we expect it to be up another 8 to 9% in Q4. We expect overall supply growth to be about 10%. So supply still outpacing demand, which means further occupancy declines. So we have another 2% year-over-year uh, year drop in occupancy forecasted for Q4. Uh, we expect ADRs, so the rates that we're able to get for our units, to essentially be flat versus last year. So last year, we were raising rates 10%. This year, we're lucky to maintain uh, those rate increases. So with the sort of increased competition, declining occupancies, there's way more sort of pressure on rates, way more competition to lower rates to get people in your properties. We are seeing that revenue management is more important than ever in making sure that you're keeping your pro- property occupied. That's and probably the one, number one difference between someone that's seeing a 2% decline in RevPAR versus a 10, 20, 30% decline is that you're trying to maybe too hard to maintain your rate. And it could be, you need to drop your rate by 5% and you're going to see a 10, 15% increase in occupancy. But because you're trying to maintain this sort of mythical rate that you got last year that you think you should maintain, uh, and now you're not as competitive to the units next to you that are watching what you're at your, what your rate's at, like you're sort of giving up a lot of potential revenue. And once you pass that date, and your unit goes unsold, you can't get that back. I don't think I've ever spent more time on revenue management in my team than this year, like ever since 2017. Like it's just, you have to, right? And uh, it's interesting, but I cut E off on accident. So what No, bro, say? I just love the mythical rate. To me, that's such a funny thing. And I think the last five minutes of the show are super, super important for you to go back to, especially if you are somebody that is a co-host and is going to meet clients. For you to just be able to like, even if you're not really understanding what was said, just write that shit down, bring it with you and be able to repeat that in understanding it. Like, hey, this is the reality of where the market is going. This is supply and demand. This is what we're expecting. And this is what we should be ready for. Because again, like my worst fear when it comes to people getting into this business is that you try to overpromise, and you will ultimately under deliver. This is a way for you to really give it just with the facts of like, this is the reality of what's going on. And then you can play with your rev bar. You can play with staying on top of your revenue management and make sure that you try to stay ahead of this curve. 
but the last five to 10 minutes of the show are so, so important for you to understand as you go in front of clients. Cause you're like, Hey, look, there's less supply coming on, but there's still more supply than what demand is. And so the supply, like our, our occupancy is going to go down because that's just how the math works. And I cannot tell you that next year we're going to make more money because I'm holding on for dear life to the money that we're making now. And you should be grateful that we're making as much money as we did last year. And if you don't believe me, this is what the data is. It's not me telling you because I want my job to be easier. I listen to Jamie from AirDNA, call him. <laughs> you know, if you have problems with him, just call him. It's not my fault. You know what I mean? But it's so important, guys, to like lean on the data when you have it because it makes your job easier. And, and how I describe where we're at in the cycle right now is, and we definitely saw a peak in 2021 in terms of revenue. Like we were 35% higher than pre-pandemic. Now we're 3% lower than we were at at the peak. I mean, ADRs are still outpaced. The sort of I mean, occupancy declines are at least kept up with it. So what we've done is we've plateaued at the peak. So just because we're at the peak doesn't mean we're going to have to start coming down off of that. We're going to ride this for a while. And our forecast is over the next 18 months that we're essentially maintaining the revenue gains that we've sort of earned over this past th three-year period. I mean, not a lot of opportunity to gain revenue, except where I mean, you can sort of find ROI from new investment, sort of adding amenities, having better revenue management strategies, finding new pockets of demand in your market. There's lots of opportunity to actually grow revenue. But as an industry, I mean, that's probably just going to steal revenue that someone else would have earned in your market, in which we're all competitive, like absolutely do that. But in terms of overall demand, overall rates that people are going to pay, like we're essentially going to maintain the levels that we're at over the next I mean, 12 to 18 months. And then more than likely, I mean, as long as we don't go through a, a deep recession, we're going to start growing from there. And again, like we're talking very, very macro right now, you know, like countrywide. So I encourage you guys, and this is a good transition point to talk about the new updates, but get in there because you can easily pull all of this data for your specific markets. And I'd encourage you to also look at your surrounding markets. Like as an example, we've got properties in Beverly, Massachusetts and Salem, Massachusetts. Salem absolutely smashes Beverly out of the water and they're literally next door to each other, right? And so like just if your property isn't performing as well, just do that little 30 minute loop around where you are and just see, you might be amazed at like, wow, this, this random town over here is absolutely thriving. Maybe the next deal should be over here. Or maybe I need to reposition over here. And that's a great sort of tee up for like how we changed the platform. So we entirely got rid of market subscriptions. So those of you that have come into our DNA in the past would have known that, and you can see great data on a market, but you got to subscribe to that market. Like each market was like $100 a month. Like it was pretty price prohibitive to actually go in and be able to look at different markets, different performance. So we got rid of that entirely. So we moved to a model where you pay a monthly subscription fee. So either $15, $25 a month, and you get access to every single market across the entire world. So there's no longer the sort of restriction of like, yes, I subscribe to Beverly, but, and I don't even know that Salem's doing well because I'd have to pay another hundred bucks a month to be able to see that data. So, and part of that sort of reasoning was how the industry is going of we're not all just investing in our backyard. We're not all just investing in a market that we maybe grew up visiting, that 
we have to all get smarter around where we're adding supply, uh, what markets we're looking at. And we want to make it easy for people to do that and not make it. And it was just entirely too I mean, price prohibitive to actually do that. And we definitely heard that f- feedback and wanted to make a change. I appreciate it because I've been using it um, in <laughs> Portugal and I've been using it in Portugal as I'm looking for houses, um, which is funny because again, like it's one of those things that happen as the industry grows because the more subscribing, the more users you guys have, this makes sense for you guys as well, right? And there's just so much more of what's happening in our industry. This is just going to continue to happen that more and more better data and more and more users mean overall just a better product for everybody. And it's been super interesting. So what I asked you off air was, I know this is true for myself, but just because of how my brain works when it comes to softwares, but I feel like a lot of the times I have a subscription to a F1 race car and I use (laughs) it to go to the grocery store and get groceries, right? And I'm not by any means insulting the car. I just don't know what I'm doing. So I use it for what it is that I do, right? So what are some of the uses of the new update that you would really want people to be like, hey guys, this is this is huge. Yeah, so I'll talk about one that's entirely new and then another one that was there but just wasn't utilized as much as I thought people should be using it. So the one that's entirely new is and essentially what you see when you click into AirDNA for the first time and choose a country. So instead of taking you to a specific market, like I think we took everyone to Santa Monica before, um, we now take you <laughs> into a tile view of and a list of markets. And what that does is it, and you can choose what you rank by. So I want to see every market sort of ranked by our market score, which is and which markets are sort of best to invest in. So what we're sort of bringing to people first is and giving a sense of like where you should be looking. And you can start using the filters of, okay, I'm interested in properties in mountain locations uh, between 100 and 500 listings in that city. And I'm looking at luxury uh, entire homes. And it's going to filter all that data and then re-rank that, those list of cities. So you're going to see maybe average revenue across all those cities that meet that filter criteria. And so you can get start getting a sense of what markets should you actually be investing in and looking at. Uh, and likewise, we have that same sort of filter by listings, where one of my favorite things before was the top uh, top properties tab on the report. Now we don't just limit you to 12 listings in like very limited filterability. Now you can go in, go to your market, go to your submarket, uh, and start looking at all the properties in that market and ranking them across like occupancy, ADR, I want to see top one bedroom condo listings budget and what they're earning. And then subsequently, I can click into those listings, see the amenities that they have, uh, see what they're earning on a, on a given month. Uh, so you can just see so much more detail now than before, which gets me <laughs> really excited given the, the data nerd that I am. Um, and then the tool that um, is, has been there, but I, I see underutilized is our, our comp set tool where you can go in, um, upload your iCal, uh, Airbnb iCal, and we're going to go out and find other competitors that look like your property. And then since you've loaded your iCal, we can see what, how your property has been booking, actually been booking, uh, not how we're modeling it. 
and then see how that compares to other properties in your sort of submarket that are similar room count, amenities, the like. And then what I see is most important is looking at pacing. So you can look at your occupancy. You can look at the occupancy of other properties around you. You can look at the rates that they're charging, what they're getting booked at, what they're still available at. So that's sort of the, and getting into the revenue management strategy of, okay, I've got these unbooked nights. What is happening in my market? What is happening in my comp set in terms of, are they getting booked? Is it me? Is it them? And then what are they actually listing at? And what do I need to price my unit at to make sure that if guests are coming in, I'm going to get booked over someone else? Yeah. I love how excited you get about this. You make me <laughs> excited about it. And it's not something that like I can honestly say I'm excited about ever, but just your excitement about it makes me excited and like kind of like head off to you. Because again, like I think people like you in a company like AirDNA are the reason why so such a useful update happens and why the data becomes so good. Because again, like you can have a great head chef, but if the rest of the kitchen doesn't want to deliver on the quality that the chef wants, the food is going to be shit. So there is a, a, an, an element to the fact that like, dude, this is my area and I geek out about it and I'm going to give you the best plate of food that I possibly can because I love what I do and I see that in you and I'm just grateful that like you're, you're there and the, the update's awesome. Like I've actually played around with it quite a bit and it's, it's super solid. And for those of you, this is a good transition, Jamie, that I'm super excited about. So we've been talking for the last couple of weeks on Wednesday, October 18th at 12 PM Eastern, Jamie and I are going to be co-hosting a webinar together where he's actually going to go into AirDNA and show you guys how to really use this tool. Because like he just highlighted, and I see this all the time with the students, it's like the resources are there, but a lot of times you just, you're not leveraging it or you don't know how to leverage it. So we're going to spend an hour with you guys and break down exactly how to use this tool, how to identify profitable markets, how to analyze a property. I'm going to give you guys my deal analyzer too. So like you can actually run the numbers on it, but this, in my opinion, and if you have been listening to the show for any amount of time. I always harp on you have to know your numbers and it starts with knowing your market numbers and then the property numbers. And really you have to know your market. You just have to. And this is the most robust release I've ever seen. And they have so much data in there that it's really hard to show you guys this via a podcast. So Jamie was kind enough to, to volunteer to do a webinar with me and really break this down so you can watch him leverage this tool along with me to really maximize like, everything that's available now with AirDNA. So you guys can go sign up for that. It's going to be totally free. It's strsecrets.com slash AirDNA dash masterclass. And I'll put all the links down in the show notes, but again, strsecrets.com slash AirDNA dash masterclass. So register for that. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially if you're not a data person, you know, like it's funny, E and I are very opposite. Like I'm a data guy and I love it. If you're not like, this is going to be even more useful for you in my opinion, because it's going to make it so much more user-friendly and really like understand how to leverage this tool. And I, I know I'm harping on this right now, but it is a lot more competitive than it was two years ago. And if you've been struggling with your bookings and your properties, like this will be so valuable for you and it's completely free. So just carve out the time and make this happen. And I guarantee it's going to pay you dividends if you leverage the stuff that we're talking about. So go check that out. Again, Jamie, thank you for coming on here, man. I really appreciate it. And I love geeking out with you on all this stuff. Uh, even off air, we geek out about this stuff. So 
Uh, again, thanks for coming on. Before we wrap though, want to make sure that we get AirDNA out there. So it's just AirDNA.co. Go check that out. Make sure you follow Jamie on LinkedIn and some different platforms. I'm assuming I've, I've connected with you on. <laughs> yeah. I know you're not a huge social media guy, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm active on Twitter, uh, X, uh, Jamie underscore Lane. And then we also have a um, um, data podcast called the SDR Data Lab, where we talk about data uh, every week. Love it. Love it. So the last question that we asked all of our guests, sir, and I didn't even prep you for this, so this will be good, is uh, <laughs> what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Uh, the layup is I'm making sure you understand your data. <laughs> I, I can't let you go with that one. That is a good one. I'll, I'll say that the thing that I actually enjoy most is I'm, I've got like five podcasts I listen to on repeat every week. Your guys is one of them, but there's lots of others out there uh, that help you understand the different aspects of the business. And I would highly recommend some of the others uh, out there as well. Like, it just helps you sort of stay on top of industry trends, uh, new tools that are out there, and new companies are being uh, started and every month in this sector that sort of add sort of new things to the, to the plate. And, um, and that's how I get my sort of industry news now. And it's, it's been a great way to sort of stay on top of things. Love it. Love it. Show, give, give me two of them. Yeah. I'm always yeah. looking for podcasts yeah, too. And we totally know them. So yeah, yeah. two of my favorites are uh, good morning hospitality with Will Slickers uh, boy, and uh, the no BS short terminal podcast. All right. Sweet. Yep. Solid. One. Awesome. Well, Jamie, appreciate you as always, man, for the folks listening, make sure you register for that webinar. Again, it's on October 18th at 12 o'clock Eastern, strsecrets.com slash airdna dash masterclass. I'll have the link down in the show notes. That's it for this week, guys. Hope you have an amazing week and we will talk to you soon. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.